Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. I'm read you a scripture out of Habakkuk. Chapter 1, verse 3. Why do you show me iniquity and behold mischief? And why are spoiling and violence before me, so that there is strife and contention arises? Because of this, the Torah is made feeble, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked does beset Hatzadik, therefore justice goes forth perverted. And I have often referenced that scripture in talking about the way things are going in regard to justice in our country, where the wicked does beset Hatzadik, the righteous. All right. I think that word there, Hatzadik, is twofold because everybody here knows that Yeshua is called the righteous one. And that is in our portion in the Haftarah where Stephen was executed. He's the one who calls him Hatzadik. You have executed the righteous one. Talking to the Jewish people. Talking to the high court of Israel. It's like standing before the Supreme Court in the United States and telling them you executed the righteous one. It's the absence of a desire for righteousness that causes people to appoint bad judges, to tolerate bad judgments, and ultimately to bring death to a people or a nation. Our portion is called the Shoftim, which means judges. And Israel is instructed to appoint righteous judges. And he tells them they are not to favor the rich nor to favor the poor. And they are to hear more than one witness in every case. And in our portion it says, If an unrighteous witness rises up against any man, this is in chapter 19 of of Deuteronomy, verse 16, If an unrighteous witness rises up against any man to bear perverted witness against him, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before Yahweh, before the Kohanim and the Shoftim that shall be in those days, the judges, the appointed judges that shall be in those days. And the Shoftim, the judges, shall inquire diligently. And behold, if a witness is false, if the witness is a false witness and has testified falsely against his brother, then shall you do unto him as he purposed to do unto his brother. So shall you put away the evil from the midst of you. We don't do that. We don't hold people accountable for bearing false witness. Neither do we do it in the congregations, neither do we do it in the courts. In the Brit Chadashah, in our portion, Yeshua is brought before the Sanhedrin in a kangaroo court, quite honestly, that happened at night. 
And that passage that we just read out of our Torah portion was played out in the negative. In other words, false witnesses were brought before to confess against Yeshua, and nothing was done to them. Do you realize that? Yeshua was being falsely accused. The testimony that made it on record was that Yeshua had said, and what I'm talking about is the witnesses. If you look at the Matthew account, which is our portion this, this week, if you look at that, the, the testimony on record of the, two, of the witnesses is this. He said, I can tear down the temple of God and build it in three days. And that was the truth. Yeshua had said that. But look at how the judge interpreted it. He turns to Yeshua after that and says, I adjure you by the living Elohim to tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Hmm. I submit to you that the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, everybody that was anybody in Israel that knew anything about Scripture, at that time, in the first century, knew that the Messiah would be called the Son of God. Israel has turned from that because of Yeshua. They don't believe that anymore. But in the first century, they clearly did because the high priest is telling us, tell us whether you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Are you with me? Today, our Jewish people reject the notion that the Messiah would be the Son of God, and they've had 1,700 years to work out their theology, to make it sophisticated. More than that, if you go back to the second century, almost 2,000 years, to work out the theology and, and make it sophisticated and lofty so that it appeals to people, especially the Jewish people. Back then, they all knew, however, that he would be the Son of God. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Verse 8, Now therefore this you shall say unto my servant David. This is God talking to the prophet to say to David this. This is what Yahweh Tzavot says. I took you, David, from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name, like unto the name of the great ones that are in the earth. When your days are fulfilled and you shall sleep with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you that shall proceed out of your body, and I will establish his malchut, his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him for a father, and he shall be to me for a son. This is God talking to King David about David's son and God saying, I'm his father, he's my son. And he says, your throne shall be established forever through that one. That's just the first piece of evidence. And there's more than the ones that I'm going to give you. The ones that I'm give you, giving you, however, are very powerful and in my mind, undeniable. The other ones are deeper in on the levels of study. Are you with me? 
But these are blatant. Peshat level stuff. Psalm 89. I have made a breach, a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn unto David my servant. Forever I will establish your seed and build up your throne to all generations. Now that doesn't mention anything about sonship, but it harkens back to David's seed. Are you with me? Isaiah 9, our Haftarah portion. For a boy is born unto us, a son is given unto us, and the government is upon his shoulder. And by the way, our Jewish people knew that these were messianic prophecies of Isaiah in chapter 9 here. His name shall be called Pele, Yoetz, El Gibor, Aviad, Sar Shalom. You guys know that. Everyone in here should know that through and through. Lamazeti Shalishmi, Kifele. Why do you ask me my name? For it is my wonder, it is my secret. All right? And here God is saying the son is going to be called Fele, Pele. That the government may be increased, and of Shalom there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it through justice, through righteousness, from henceforth even forever. And then the big one. We sang part of it this morning in Lama. And I didn't know we were going here. I picked the songs. They're in a, they're in a cycle. And I pick them on Sunday morning right before Albert posts the portions. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth revolt and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his Messiah. I will tell of the decree, it says in verse 7. If you don't know this, this is Psalm 2. It's being quoted in Acts chapter 4. And then I'm jumping down to verse 7 of Psalm 2. I will tell of the decree. Yahweh said unto me, You are my son. This day have I begotten you. Holy smoke. This psalm is a messianic song because it says in the beginning, why are you railing against Yahweh and against his Messiah? Are you with me? I will tell of the decree Yahweh said unto me, you are my son. This day have I begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And the last verse of that psalm says it quite plainly. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when suddenly his wrath is kindled. Happy are all they that take refuge in him. In whom? The son, whose name is attached to Yahweh, against Yahweh and against his Messiah. Proverbs 30, verse 4. Y'all should know that one very well because it's on every email I send you. Down at the bottom, it's my signature. Who has ascended up into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? For you will confess it. And that psalm goes on, or Proverbs goes on and says this, Every word of Eloah, the Almighty, is tried. He is a shield unto them that take refuge in him. Same words as he just told David in the psalm, right? Do I need to read it? 
The last verse of chapter 2, Psalm 2. Kiss the son lest he be angry. Happy are all they that take refuge in him. He, he, he holds the wind in his fist. What is his name and what is his son's name? For you'll know it. All of his words are tried. Take refuge in He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Now do you see it? And then it says right after that, Do not add to his words lest he reprove you and you'll be found a liar. And this is where other theologians go awry because they have to add to the word in order to identify their version of Yeshua, of Jesus. <clears throat> so the Kohen Gadol in the trial of Yeshua prompted Yeshua with a question. Tell us whether you are a Messiah, the Son of God. They wanted the Messiah, the Son of God. There was, a very, there was an air of expectation in the time of Yeshua for the Messiah, the Son of God. Right? But they didn't want Yeshua to be that guy. Because he wasn't submitting to them. He wasn't doing their will. And that's why people don't want a biblical Yeshua, because they do not want to submit to him. They do not want to do the will of God. That's what Yeshua said after that beautiful verse. Yochanan, John chapter 3.16. I memorized it when I was three years old. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, what? Son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Plain as day, I understood it as a child. I was a son. I had a daddy. I knew what a son was and what a daddy was. Right? But Yeshua, Yeshua turns right around after saying that verse and says, they don't come into the light because they love their evil deeds. They weren't coming to Yeshua because they loved their evil deeds. Religious people, the problem is they don't see their deeds as evil. They think everything they do is righteous. They sanctify it themselves. Yeshua, when he responded, he said only this, you have said it. But I say to you that from henceforth, you will see Ben-Hadam, the son of man, sitting at the right hand of the power and coming upon the clouds of heaven. He was talking directly to the person, the high priest of Israel. So, prophetically, he was talking to every Jew. Are you with me? But he was talking to that guy. What was his name? Caiaphas. Keep that in mind. Caiaphas responded and said, Behold, he is blaspheming. Why, therefore, do we need witnesses? Behold, you've now heard his blasphemy. What else do you want? Yeshua's blasphemy was apparently describing his position next to the throne of God. Right? And the thing that people lose, that Christians lose, is that Jewish people understood the psalmist, King David, when he says, Yahweh said unto my Adon, sit at my right hand, and I'll make your enemies your footstool. They act like Jews never read that verse before when Yeshua said, you're going to see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. It wasn't brand new to them. Are you getting what I'm driving at? Their theology has changed, but back then they knew what was going on.
It wasn't that Yeshua said he was the Messiah. It was the fact that he said he was going to be seated on the throne of God himself. It got him executed. It's his dual nature, his divine nature and his human nature, because they knew him to be a man. They knew they could kill him. Anybody that thinks they could kill God is just an idiot. Right? When Yeshua said, you'll see me sitting at the right hand of God, he was saying he was son of God and son of man. He said ben ha'adam. That meant that he would be flesh. And when he said that, Yeshua was basically saying, I'm the new high priest. And I think Caiaphas knew that. <laughs> Psalm 110. He's more of David. Yahweh says unto my Adon, Yah says to my master, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That is a divine position. The rod of your strength, Yahweh will send out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people offer themselves willingly in the day of your warfare. In adornments of holiness from the womb of the dawn, yours is the dew of your youth. Yahweh has sworn and will not relent. You are a Kohen forever in the order of Malkitzedek. This psalm is seven verses long, and I guarantee you Caiaphas knew it. Are you with me? Adonai at your right hand does crush kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He fills it with dead bodies. He crushes the head over a wide land. He'll drink of the brook in the way. Therefore will he lift up the head. This was like Yeshua saying, go ahead, make my day. That's effectively what it was. And like I said, and have been trying to teach you and get you to grasp and understand is that Yeshua took the authority from the rabbis. He took it from them. He wrested it from them. It is the authority of scriptural interpretation belongs to Yeshua. If you don't learn one thing from me, I pray you at least learn that and interpret the scriptures through the lens of Yeshua's eyes. And if he didn't speak on it, it ain't worth talking about. It's not worth getting all up in arms over. It's no coincidence that the very first gospel message would echo that psalm and the idea that the Messiah would be the Son of God sitting at his right hand. Mrs. Kepha, the first message ever preached on the day of Shavuot, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Yeshua Hanatsri, a man from God. Plain as day. And when I say that, talking to these Trinitarian people, they swear I'm blaspheming when I call Yeshua a man. And the first gospel message spoken to the Jewish people by the prized apostle of ever most people, that's Peter's the good one, Peter's the big one, you know. Yeshua Hanatsri, a man from God who appeared among you by miracles and signs and wonders, which God did by him among you, 
as you yourselves know, this man, twice he's called him a man, who was consecrated for this purpose by the foreknowledge and will of God, you have delivered into the hands of wicked men, and you have executed and murdered him, whom God has raised up, having destroyed the pains of Mavet. Mavet is the realm of the dead. Because it was not possible for Sheol to hold him. For David said concerning him, I saw Yahweh always before me, for he is on my right hand, so that I should not be shaken. Therefore my heart is comforted, my glory is exalted, even my body shall rest in hope. Because you will not leave my soul in Sheol, neither will you suffer your Hasid to see decay. And he's quoting Psalm 16 here, where David, the writer, is being very messianic. Saying you're not going to leave his body in the tomb, nor his soul in the, the place of the dead, Sheol. Now, men and brethren, permit me to speak to you openly concerning the patriarch David, who is dead and buried, and whose tomb is with us to this day. For he was a Navi, a prophet. And he knew that Elohim had sworn by an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up and to sit on his throne. So he foresaw and spoke concerning the resurrection of Messiah, that his soul was not left in Sheol, neither did his body see decay. Two separate things. His soul didn't stay in Sheol and his body did not rot. This very Yeshua Elohim has raised up, and we are all witnesses. It is he who is exalted by the right hand of Elohim. One of the last words Yeshua said before he died, it's, you know, the hours are inching closer to his death. He's standing before the high priest, and he said, you're going to see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. And the very first gospel message ever preached is that Yeshua is seated at the right hand of God. Very first one. I'm sorry, I'm going to emulate Kepha when I preach. Yeah, yeah. And not the popes, Amen. and not John Calvin, and not Martin Luther, and not anyone else. I'm going to imitate the scriptures. I'm going to declare what the scriptures declare. And he has received from the Father the promise of the Ruach HaKodesh and has poured out this gift which you now see in here. The point is, all of Israel knew that the Messiah would be at the right hand of God Most High and that he would be the Son of God. They all knew that. They didn't like having their sin dealt with first. They, they, they wanted Yeshua to come and fix their worldly problems and not their sin issue. They thought they were righteous in and of themselves and when Yeshua told them they weren't and demonstrated that they weren't by his righteousness, they hated him for it. And religious people today do the exact same thing to anybody who is trying to declare the simple truth of the resurrection of the Son of God and that alone as salvation. If you're adding to your salvation anything other than that fact, you're wasting it. We don't add obedience for the sake of salvation. We add obedience for the sake of the love of God and to show righteousness to people around us. 
They wanted to be the one with the authority. They wanted the throne that Yeshua was sitting on. Even his own disciples mentioned sitting on thrones on his right and left, remember? That's why sinners remain sinners. They think their law is high and divine. And what I'm talking about is righteous, you know, religious sinners. People who are in religion for the sake of religion. People who are in it for other nefarious reasons. They create their own version of the scriptures, their own ideas about what God said. They ignore the plain meaning of the text and get into these Socratic debates and get lost in doctrine. That's why the high priest and those around him responded the way they did. They said, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him, saying, O Messiah, prophesy to us. Who smote you? They mocked him. And all Yeshua had said was, you've said it. But I say to you, from henceforth you'll see Ben-Hadam sitting at the right hand of the power and coming upon the clouds of heaven. And I believe they understood that Yeshua was going where he was going. What I mean is, I think that our, I think that all believers know, and I, I shouldn't say believers, all people who consider religion and have looked at the scriptures, I think they understand that, but they don't want it. It's not the version they want. You know what I'm saying? But even so, even if Yeshua is being literal, it happened. Acts chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 54, when they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. This is Stephen standing before that exact same court. And I double-checked. I was certain that it was within a year or two. And I double-checked this morning, and by, by all estimations, it is no more than three years later. And I double-checked, and Caiaphas was still the high priest. doesn't say that in the book of Acts, but history does. Josephus records that, that, that Caiaphas went on to be high priest until 40-something A.D. This is about 37, 36 A.D. at the latest. So Caiaphas is still high priest. And Stephen is talking to them looked up to heaven and saw the kavod of Elohim, the glory of God, and Yeshua standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Just exactly what Yeshua had told Caiaphas three years earlier. Exactly the same thing. I bet Caiaphas looked up and saw it too. Can't say he did, can't say he didn't. Yeshua said he would see it. <laughs> but at least they saw a righteous man standing there who had just declared that you executed him. He's talking to Caiaphas when he said that. 
You executed the righteous one. They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears with one accord and shouted threats against him. And they seized him and took him outside the city and began to stone him. Those who testified against him placed their clothes under the care of a young man called Shaul. And they stoned Stephania, Stephen, as he prayed, saying, Adonai, Yeshua, accept my spirit. And as he knelt down, he cried with a loud voice and said, Adonai, do not hold this sin against him. Same thing Yeshua said on the tree. When he said this, he passed away, and Shaul was pleased and participated in his murder. That happened barely three years after Yeshua spoke to Caiaphas. In chapter one of, of in chapter seven, verse one of Acts, the beginning of this narrative, it says the Kohen Gadol asked. Are these things true after Stephen was accused? That was Caiaphas. Most of what Stephen had said to them was just the history of Israel. You remember reading it? It's a brilliant summary of the history of Israel that he just said off the cuff, Clearly speaking by the Ruach HaKodesh, it's said that his face looked like a messenger's face. In other words, he was glorious when he started to speak. Before he started that narrative, though, if you back up to chapter 6, it says this. To start the whole Stephen story, it says this. Now, Tephania, Stephen, was full of compassion and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain men of the Beit Knesset, which is called the Beit Knesset of the Libertines, the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, and Cilicians, and some persons from Asia Minor, and they debated with Zephania. But they were unable to stand up against the wisdom of the Ruach by which he spoke. Then they sent men and instructed them to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moshe and against God. Same thing they did to Yeshua. Same exact thing. Same high priest, same set of priests, doing the same thing over again. They stirred up the people and the elders and the, and the sophrim, the scribes, and they rose up against him and seized him and brought him into the midst of the council. And they appointed false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak against the Torah and against this holy place. The same thing they accused Yeshua of. And the problem is, is they were false witnesses because nobody who truly loves Yeshua is going to speak against the Torah and against the temple. Right? For we have heard him say that Yeshua Hanatsri will destroy this place and will change the customs which Moshe entrusted to you. You've got to remember, it's a false testimony. It is a lie that Stephen ever said that, that Yeshua is going to change the customs. And there is a lie that is believed by 99% of people in the world today, that Jesus came to change the customs. And those guys 
were not held accountable for their false witness. Then all who were seated at the council looked at him. They looked at Stephen and saw that his face was like the face of a messenger, an angel. And then Caiaphas spoke to him, and we have the rest of what we read. Anyone who attempts to worship Yeshua in biblical context will be done the exact same way. I've been there. You all know it. Falsely accused, accused of not following the Torah, accused of speaking against the Torah. People will take one thing, one tiny thing that you say, and they'll take it out of context and paint a picture about you that you're a Torah breaker. Just because you believe something slightly different than they do, when the truth is, you're pouring all your heart and life into trying to be as obedient as you possibly can be. They don't see that because they're looking at the exterior and they're looking at it through the lens of their own self-righteousness. And they're not looking at, they're not putting 100% of their salvation on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God. There's something wrong right there if they're judging you. The statement that got Stephen killed was just like Yeshua's zinger. He told them, which of the Nevi'im, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and killed? Especially have they slain those who foretold the coming of Hatzadik. So he's saying, and he's talking to the religious figureheads of Israel. This is, this is the part that people, Jewish people in the Messianic community can't conceive, I think is that Stephen was standing there talking to the rabbis. The predecessors of everybody they studied. And Stephen is standing there and telling them, you killed every prophet and you killed the righteous one. Because he says, the, the, they foretold the coming of Hatzadik, the righteous one, whom you betrayed and killed. And then he says, you received the Torah by the disposition of messengers, and you have not kept it. They were, and they still are not. And then when I say they, I'm talking about the rabbis in general. They're not keepers of the Torah. And neither is anyone who denies that Yeshua is the Son of God. Romans 10.4. If you haven't put that in your toolbox yet, you better put it there. Write that down. If you haven't put that in your tackle box, you better put it there. Messiah is the goal at which the Torah aims. If you can't understand that the Torah was driving the Jewish people to the Torah-keeping Yeshua, the one who would interpret it correctly, with mercy and compassion, as well as judgment, and not just judgment. And that's where everybody misses it. They judge their neighbor without showing them mercy and compassion because they don't understand the depth of their own sin.
Anyone that denies that Yeshua is the Son of God is not a Torah keeper. They deny that Yeshua is come in the flesh. If all Christians do is go around saying Jesus is God, Jesus is God, Jesus is God, and they don't understand that he's a human being, they got the wrong guy. They got the wrong guy. If they, it is the spirit of Mashiach HaSheker, and I think I've actually read this last week. I'm not 100% sure. But we're in the last days. We're in the time of Teshuvah. It's important that we understand exactly what we believe, who we believe in, and how we're made righteous. All right? It is the spirit of Mashiach HaSheker, the false, the lying Messiah, to deny that Yeshua is right now in a human body, a body of flesh, right now, and that he died, and that God his Father raised him from the dead. And he's standing at God's right hand. And one day, very, very, very soon, he will be seen coming in the clouds before all of Israel, before all of the whole world. And it's that fact where your spiritual authority comes from. It's not from your, the measure of your faith so much. It's your faith in that one fact. Are you with me? Is that coming out right? That grants you authority to speak to other people about the truth of God. That's the cornerstone of it. That's what, that's what is meant when it says that he laid a cornerstone in Zion. That's the body of Yeshua. The physical body of Yeshua. That's the cornerstone. He's the head of the body. He's a, God uses multiple different analogies to try to get us to understand that one fact. And he is the righteous one. So I'm going to read Habakkuk 1, 3, and 4 again. Why do you show me iniquity and behold mischief? Why are, you, why are spoiling and violence before me so there is strife and contention rises? Because of this, the Torah is feeble and justice never goes forth. For the wicked does beset Hatzadik, the righteous one. Therefore, justice goes forth perverted. In other words, people are standing in the way of Yeshua. And that's why justice is perverted. And when, you, when, when America got away from that basic elementary principle that Jesus is the Son of God, that's when it happened. You can check history. I'm, I'm a historian and I know all the events that led up to the... the junk, the garbage that's in our leaders, I hate to call them that, <laughs> our representatives, you know, our political figures, you know, their minds are poisoned. Lama. I thought it went off very well today, the song, Lama. Did y'all enjoy it? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of, and, and, the, and the rulers of the earth have revolted and take counsel against Yahweh and his Messiah. We are seeing that, oh, ad nauseum. 
every single day. If, you, if Yeshua is not a man risen from the dead, everyone is lost. And those who are religious and going around preaching him are playing a fool's game. And at this point, I was going to put 1 Corinthians 15 in there where it says that, plain as day. <laughs> if you're looking for the reference, basically says it. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. We are to be counted as fools. And that fact, that the fact of the body of Yeshua and his resurrected body, that's the reason that we are at war. And I told you, we're going to look at war as we go through the book of Devarim. And we had it right in our faces. And it's going to be right in our faces next week because of the, the, when I read verse 1 of chapter 20, like I just did from the Bema, it's repeated in the portion next week. It's the start. When you go forth. When you go forth to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more than you, you shall not be afraid of them. For Yahweh your Elohim is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Mitzrayim. And it shall be when you draw nigh unto the battle that the Kohen shall approach and speak unto the people. Who is your Kohen? Bingo. And shall say unto them, Hear, O Yisrael, you draw nigh this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. How many times did you hear Yeshua say that? Do not fear. Fear not, nor be alarmed, neither be affrighted at them. For Yahweh your Elohim is he that goes out with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And I'm going to read that in Hebrew. Ki Yahweh Elohechem haholech imachem lehilachem lachem im oivechem lehoshia etchem lehoshia etchem to save you. That is Yeshua's name in a jumble. A word jumble. Lehoshia. It adds two letters, the Lamed and the He. And it scrambles Yeshua's name, Yeshua, Yod Shin Vav Ain, to make that word to save you. And you could look at that as see the spiritual king. Let me say it this way. Your eye will see his king of salvation. Lehoshia. And Isaiah had said of the son that is to be given to us, that the gov his government may be increased, and of shalom there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it through justice, through righteousness, from henceforth, even forever. And we are there. We, are we should already be there. When your shalom is being disturbed, you can bet you need to go back to that stone of his resurrection and trust in him to save you from whatever it is. Amen? Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description.
All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.